0: Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. going on guys? Welcome to ID Podcast. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Welcome to the show. We got a great show for you guys, but first a message from, not from our sponsors, from the podcasters. (laughs) We are continuing our fall and winter subscriber drive. I just gave (laughs) it that name. I'm just making this up on the, on the flow, on the spot. But, uh, We really, we've mentioned in the last couple of shows, we really appreciate you guys sharing the podcast because, you know, podcasting is a tricky medium. It doesn't get shared on Instagram or on Facebook. And we're trying to, we're going to come out with some more creative content in the coming months. So look out for that. But really the best way for it to grow is word of mouth. So if each one of you guys tells a friend or family member, and why wouldn't you? It's going to help their life, right? It's helping Sarah and I. Hopefully it's helping yours, but tell them subscribe to I do podcasts. It's going to be better for them. You know, don't say it like, Hey, you need to get your, you need to get your shit together (laughs) Subscribe to this relationship podcast. No, but really, we really would appreciate that because it helps us grow the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate each and every one of you guys. And on today's show, we are going to have, uh, kind of a unique, The first time we've had this topic, not really unique. Which is
0: surprising that we haven't talked about this yet. Yeah,
1: and we've had a few of you guys request it, and that is narcissism in the relationship. So whether one or the other or both partners are exhibiting narcissistic traits, and this is really important because I know for Sarah and I, sometimes I can exhibit narcissistic traits, and they are just no good for me. They're no good for the relationship. It's something I'm working on, and Dr. Susan Heitler was on the show today to tell us how to navigate this, how to recognize these traits, where they come from, and how to some really beneficial communication strategies. Not just you can say like, I'm not a narcissist and neither is my partner, but you're going to find value in some of the strategies today. And Dr. Heitler is a Denver-based clinical psychologist, author of five books, and has a popular blog on psychology today that's been viewed over 16 million times. That's
0: a lot of views.
1: That's a <laughs> lot of views. We, we could get like 60 million downloads if each one of you guys told <laughs> 10, 10 people.
0: people.
1: <laughs> we'll be sweet and everyone will be happier.
0: And as always, uh, there's a lot of cool resources that she talks about and we have them, uh, links on the show notes page, including a quiz that she did uh part of her psychology today article that, uh, we found and kind of base this episode off of, but check that quiz out. If you're thinking that you may be, uh, portraying any narcissistic traits or your partner, uh, this may help explain things a little bit more for you. It's a or- quiz
1: to determine yeah. you, uh, w- The level of narcissistic traits that you exhibit. And just because you you are not a narcissist, it is not a...
0: We don't like labeling on this podcast. It's (laughs) not a
1: label and just it's not productive, but we can exhibit narcissistic traits. And Dr. Heitler talks about navigating that very topic as well. So as always, enjoy the show and thank you for listening.
0: That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Dr. Heitler. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. My
2: pleasure.
1: Dr. Heitler, we've given our listeners a little overview of your professional history. We'd like to start with a question of why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships.
2: Family is the bedrock of a happy life. First of all, it hopefully eliminates loneliness. Second, when two parents get along really well, they provide a secure environment for children to grow up. And many, many studies say that people who are in a stable couple relationship are not only emotionally healthier, but also end up being physically healthier. Even little things, it's not so little, like, gee, my chest feels funny, I have this odd pain. If someone who is in a close relationship says that to their loved one, their loved one is likely to say, you know what? just in case, let's go to the hospital. And that's why people who are married or in a stable relationship have lower rates of, not of the heart attack per se, but of long-term damage from the heart attack or death. They, just in every way, there's more a support system there. So being able to sustain a relationship and have that relationship be safe and positive and supportive environment it 's a great gift
1: well, if you needed if our listeners needed any other reason <laughs> to work on the relationship, it could save your life so <laughs> right. so and there 's lots of great reasons, like you mentioned and and that 's what we love to do here is get the information for ourselves and share it with our listeners and today 's topic is one that we have not covered and, and one that uh, we 've actually had a few listeners write in and ask about, and that is narcissism. And I think a good place to start is defining what narcissistic traits are. And then we could talk about how to navigate a relationship if someone is exhibiting those traits.
2: Okay. So uh, to understand narcissism, uh, maybe it's good for me to start by talking about the work I've done as a sports psychologist. I've worked with professional tennis players who were a doubles team they found that if for some reason their doubles partner wasn't available and they had to just ask one of the other players on the circuit to play with them, if the other person was a singles player, it was very difficult. When you play singles, all you think about is what you're doing. When you play doubles in tennis or in life, you need the ability to look at what you're doing and also really listen to and respect your partner.
1: Oh, I love the sports analogy because <laughs> yeah. uh, it's right up my alley. And, and uh, so, so then what, what, what's happening with them?
2: Yes. So what is it that if you play life as a singles player, you're doing that's different from what people do who have successful relationships? People who play life as a singles player basically have a def- defect in listening. Narcissism is a dis- listening disorder. Now, why they don't listen can come from many reasons. The core piece, though, is that if you're uh, partnered with someone who doesn't listen, what do you think you're going to feel? It gets really irritating. And the irritation, the anger says something's wrong, something's wrong, just like pain says something's wrong, something's wrong.
1: So how? what would be like a specific thing? Because... You know, sometimes if someone's distracted, it might seem like they're not listening. Uh, What would be a specific uh, maybe interaction of someone that is a narcissist Mm -hmm. um, in not listening? I'll
2: give an example from a therapy session with a couple yesterday. Uh, He said, see, I'd really like your help with cleaning up the garage. She said, oh, I could do that. I'd like to start by... Uh, taking all the things that are on the floor and bringing them into the basement so we have that floor at least cleaned out. He said, no, we can't do that because of uh, the boxes will be too heavy. She made two or three other suggestions. No, we can't. No, we can't. And she said also, well, really, most of the stuff that's filling up our garage is yours. And he just went on as if she hadn't said anything. So, even negating or ignoring what the partner says, those are signs of narcissism.
1: So, to me, there's obviously like a lot of personality traits. There's degrees, and in an extreme narcissists, I imagine would be incredibly hard to deal with. And, and we can talk about that. And but, what are some more subtle ways? That, that it might exhibit itself in the right. traits of a partner.
2: Okay, well, your point that there are degrees of narcissism is absolutely true. If you look up narcissism on Google, often what you get is descriptions of the extreme case. Most people who confront narcissism are dealing with more subtle or more malleable narcissism. That is, if you... Stand your ground and say, wait, I really do have a good idea here about bringing the boxes to the basement. Or it really is true that most of the junk in our garage is yours. If you can stand up until you do get heard, with a less severe narcissist, oh, that makes a big difference. And the quote, narcissism essentially evaporates with someone who's more of an extreme narcissism. You cannot get through. And if you try to get through, they just get angry. Your opinion doesn't count. They have their ideas. That's it. It's a a fixed belief system through which you can't penetrate. And it's just all about me. So if there's one phrase that characterizes narcissists, besides listening defect, it's all about me. It's all about me because they don't hear you. Did I answer your question? There, I yes. forgot what the question was. <laughs> yes, no, it's perfect.
0: Would there, when when you say that the the term "it's all about me," I immediately think of like being selfish. Be selfishness is that similar? I mean, is that a what's the difference yes. between the two?
2: Yes, selfish is the common word. Uh, it has very negative connotations, and being all about me is often problematic. Uh, at the same time, the opposite problem, we don't have an uh, adequate word for it. The opposite problem is excessive. I call it excessive altruism. That is someone who's all about the other person. So often what happens is that someone who's all about me finds a partner who's very generous and, and caring and supportive and at risk for becoming all about you, excessive altruism. Once that happens, the relationship can be stable for quite a while until the all about you person says, wait, what about me? What about me? Or begins to get too depressed. So... uh, Let's see, I forgot your question again. tell me <laughs> just about the difference of
0: being selfish versus uh narcissistic
2: right. right, uh, so it's essentially the same thing all about me, and what is selfishness? It's being very aware of what you yourself want and not paying attention that there's other people who also have needs. If you picture a group of kids where one of them is eating candies. The other kids say, wait, I want some too. The first child said, no, these are mine. That's selfishness. The child is not aware that eating candy in front of other people is going to trigger their wanting some too. He just doesn't have that awareness of the other kids or that they have needs. It's as if they're chairs or trees rather than that they also have desires. So would you say...
0: narcissists are aware of their traits and behaviors or they're not aware of them?
2: Generally not aware. Then this is where the, the less severe narcissism and more severe narcissism come in because the more healthy you are, the more eventually you can do what I call bilateral listening, two-sided listening. You can listen to yourself and listen to the other. So the possibility of listening to the other is there, it just doesn't happen spontaneously or routinely for someone who's narcissistic. When somebody's more severely narcissistic, there's no way to get through to them, hey, what about me? What about me? Or you're hurting me or I feel bad. Uh uh-uh. uh Those aren't options with someone who's severely narcissistic. You just can't break through their all about me bubble. So I've
0: I've read um that narcissistic people that it's, they're unable to change.
2: Is that I, true or is? Uh, I, I just received a comment in my email <laughs> from a reader about that last night, that that is an idea that's promoted in a lot of the writings on narcissism. It's true if you're referring to people with an actual narcissistic character disorder that's the label we put on people who are on the severe end. I would say most people who are narcissistic it's they then like you asked earlier, they're not aware they're that they're doing that, and once they become aware, they have a good heart. they really would prefer to be able also to hear. so I think that oh no, they can't hear it is true for the extreme. it is not true for the others
1: so. A couple of questions. How common is that extreme end? And um, I tend to be someone that exhibits or tries to exhibit a growth mindset. It's just so right. hard to to understand and maybe we can dive into it, but how someone could be have this personality disorder and is there any way that they can change?
2: All right. So if people are on the very severe end, First of all, the good news is that's a minority of people who are narcissistic. So if you have a partner who's narcissistic, start with the assumption that you might be able to get through to them if you say things in a way that's gentle and yet firm. If you repeat yourself, my favorite phrase is, I'm sorry, I I don't think I made that clear. I'd like to say that once again. So you keep it on you because narcissists tend to be people with narcissistic habits tend to be somewhat sensitive to criticism. So if you put it on yourself, you know, I'm having trouble saying this in a way that gets through. Then you're engaging the empathy. It's not true that narcissists have no empathy. Often they're very empathic. For instance, if they see uh, someone who fell down on the street, they may be the first one to run over and help them. What we often hear labeled as um, unable to be uh, empathic is really that they don't hear. And who do they especially not hear? The people close to them.
1: So I want to just talk briefly about recognizing that you have narcissistic traits. Let's say you're not severe and you recognize it. Where can those originate from? Obviously, in childhood, I think if we dissect that a little bit, it might help people be a little bit more introspective. How do we develop these narcissistic traits?
2: Narcissistic traits? Yes, I think you're correct that these are patterns that often people learn from childhood. Interestingly, it's not necessarily from painful experiences in childhood, although that can be part of it. It's going to be a little bit of a complex answer because there's different sources. If somebody did have a painful experiences in childhood, then they tend to be more emotionally reactive. Anyone, once they get angry, get emotionally activated, their ears turn off, their frontal lobes that think turn off, and they just blurt out what's on their mind. So that's one form of non-listening is because they get angry very quickly, then they can no longer listen. There's another form altogether that narcissism comes from. That's the flip side. For a child who was taller, metaphorically, than anybody else, could be they were physically taller, could be that they were smarter, they were better athletes. I call this, for adults, tall man syndrome. Celebrities, for instance, are at risk for tall man syndrome. If you are used to being treated as bigger than, more important than, More talented than you can get an inflated idea of yourself vis-a-vis other people. Once you're really tall and big, either other people don't speak up because they're a little afraid of you or you just don't hear. It's like you're on a big white steed riding your horse through life. And you sort of are aware sometimes that there's little people with little whispering voices down by your hoofs, but basically you're up there big and strong. So with Tall Man Syndrome, you just don't hear other people unless they're people who are higher in some hierarchy than you. So tall people, when they shrink down a little because they're talking with the boss, can hear very well. And tall, I mean metaphorically tall.
1: So those are two great examples that I think will be valuable for people to maybe, if they're trying to be introspective and think back to their childhood. Now, I've done uh, some reading on narcissism as well and have come across um, some significant impacts of being raised by a narcissistic parent, one or both. both. How, what yeah. kind of impact uh, does that have?
2: Well, you're absolutely right. If you were raised in a family where they speak French, what language are you going to speak? You (laughs) speak French. So we learn not only the vocabulary and the syntax of a language in terms of words, but we learn whole ways of being in the world from what we see our parents doing. So anyone who had a narcissistic parent, or worse, two narcissistic parents, Learned that in a dialogue, it's all about talking, not about listening.
1: And that's not a great place mm-hmm. to, not
2: productive. to no, in a right. Well it's mm-hmm. a great a really- place if you want to be alone, right. uh, or uh, not enter into partnership, and it works out okay if you have so much money or status or celebrity that you can get away with it, and people are just so thrilled to be close to you. It doesn't make for good relationships.
0: So what's the the first step our listeners can take to initiate these conversations with their partner, whether they're the narcissist or their partner is to kind of help create some solutions to, uh, to help each other grow, to prevent these, you know, potential uh-huh. issues from happening in their relationship.
2: The first step is awareness, awareness. Um, when one, when person a, let's call it Jack and Jill When Jack says, gee, I'm hungry, I'd like to eat now, does Jill pick up on that and say some form of yes? Oh, yeah, I can hear in your voice you've got that little edge that you get when you're getting way too hungry. Or something that that uses the data that comes along. Or does Jill say, I'm busy now. So look for the patterns of uptake. How much is their uptake really using the data the other person uh has given, and how much is their negation now the key word to listen for it's a three letter word that erases whatever the other person said. you want to guess what it is you probably know
1: three letter word
2: <laughs> yes <That's- laughs> Yes oh, yeah. is a three-letter word that indicates odds are good. We're on the same team. I'm getting through. Yes, I see, Jack, you are hungry. So that's the good news response. And by contrast, but can't you see that I'm working? Did you hear the three-letter word? But. 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 <laughs> so but is like the delete, the backspace Delete. Key on your computer. It erases whatever just came. So the listening defect is one where, yes, you hear that there's some words coming at you and you just erase them.
1: And then one strategy might be to say yes, but. <laughs> so to like uh-huh. halfway. that
2: yes, but. Because if you're saying yes, but, the but first of all erases the yes and then it backs up and erases the whole sentence that came before or thought that came before. So a good place for a couple to do for starters is have a conversation and keep track, you know, with those little lines, one, two, three, four lines, and then one across. Keep counting the number of times either of you say but. Each of those buts indicates "Mm," narcissistic listening, which is non-listening. It's erasing the other person uh
1: input. And I definitely have noticed I have a tendency to say yes, but and been doing some introspection and and one of the things and definitely, you know, I took your quiz uh, on um you know determining your level of narcissism and I was on the uh, the like, one
2: from psychology today.com. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And we'll link to that in the show notes, but I was below a 10, uh you know, very like pretty low. Um, but I still know that I exhibit narcissistic traits. And just a thought on that, and I, tell me if this is narcissism speaking. But <laughs> there's my butt.
2: Did, did um, you hear the truth? But there were two You bite yourself as well as biting other people.
1: Yeah. Well, I want to ask you: Is it? Is it? Um, I lost my train of thought.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, right. Well, I'll just point out in the last sentence that you said you started wonderfully you've started with the word and i've noticed so right away i felt oh yeah we're on the same wavelength we're working together this is a friendly collaborative dialogue and then uh you said i can't remember the content it was followed by the word but oh yes you said i actually scored fairly low on your quiz that's very important data that you then inadvertently erased with but. But I think I'm narcissist. As opposed to I scored very low on your uh, quiz, and at the same time, oh, now we're keeping that data and adding. And at the same time, I do feel that I sometimes something, and I didn't get the rest Mm -hmm. of it. Can you hear the difference between and and but?
1: Yes. And (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yes. (laughs) And I remembered what I was going to say is I was wondering if it is narcissistic to say in, in that it's more productive to a conversation, whether it's between Sarah and I or someone listening, that they are not a narcissist, but exhibit narcissistic traits. Uh,
2: Yes. Or habits. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Chase, this is such an important distinction. Narcissism, for the most part, is not like eye color. It's not like height. It's not a fixed characteristic. It's a habit pattern. A habit of how you respond when other people say something. So if you habitually erase what they say, or if you habitually assume what you have to say and your viewpoints are right and others are wrong, mm, that's a narcissistic way of connecting.
1: And I think it's, as someone that exhibits narcissistic traits, more productive for me, if Sarah, if we're talking about it, that Mm -hmm. she is and and she hasn't done this, but just in us talking about it, I can almost feel like the fire of the label of hmm. You're a narcissist. Because right. it is so right. loaded and so negative. And like you said, it's not who they it's a tr- it's a habit and not a trait. Right. And and I think that's really key just as someone that exhibits the traits sometimes that that a partner does not go and be accusatory and say, you're being such a narcissist, and yeah.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. The partner's response has a huge impact on whether the difficulty listening and hearing is going to continue or not. If the partner responds with complaints and criticisms, mm, it's going to engender argument, an adversarial discussion, and the message isn't going to get through, or at least is not very likely. If, by contrast, the partner uses that eye technique, I'm having trouble getting through what I'm trying to say. I'd like to try that again. How would you respond?
0: Probably you'd be more positive to it, right? Accepting of...
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah.
2: Right.
1: So I want to ask you, if, if a couple's having a discussion and they... They make a point. They talk about their feelings. How can, let's say it's Sarah and I, how can I say, but I disagree with her Uh sentiment? Not with her, you know, I'm going to validate.
2: Pause just a minute. I love the way you said that, Chase. (laughs) But, I disagree. So the but right away said, whoops, what she said got erased. And you said, I disagree. That sets you up as adversarial. What? do you think would happen if you said, yes, now that you mention that, I can see that, and you in some way really digest out loud what she said, and then the magic word, and, or the more intensified version of the magic word, and at the same time, and then you add. So you agree and add instead of delete and replace
1: I love this okay so I'm gonna say I'm gonna Sarah's gonna say something and and let's say I don't agree with it and then I yes. can respond yes and, and validate her feelings and and then say and then at the same time but then so I say that but then yes. how do I disagree
0: but first I want to play a song that I had written for chase I
3: saw you- Soccer land and I thought you might be running with a big bad bunch when I saw you brother reeling from a soccer punch. But
1: Is such a cool song, even though it's like the thirtieth time I've heard it. It is
0: (laughs) never gets old.
1: Yeah, well, it could get old if we played it on repeat. But (laughs) any song could. But this is a special one, and it's so cool how it's personal and it just it sounds great. Like if I heard it on the radio, it would be like. That's a good song.
0: I know, I know. Tiffany did an amazing job. And Songfinch's custom songs are the perfect gift for birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, or even just because to give to a loved one. And the process was so easy. So I basically, I told Songfinch the story uh, that I wanted to tell Chase. And I told them the type of vocals and the genre that I wanted the song. And they produced that within seven days, which is Pretty amazing. And they have songs starting at $99. So if this sounds like an awesome gift that you want to give a loved one, go to songfinch.com and enter the promo code I do and get $20 off your song. That's songfinch, S O N G F I N C H.com and enter the promo code I do to get $20 off your song today's episode is also brought to you by warby parker buying glasses can be expensive annoying and overwhelming we know this but warby parker has the answer they are doing it right by cutting out the middlemen and selling directly to customers online and in their stores warby parker is able to provide high quality great looking eyewear at a fraction of the price that we've all come to expect
1: Their prescription glasses start at $95. This includes frames, lenses, and coatings. The people behind Warby Parker feel that glasses should not cost more than your phone. You might be thinking, how can you possibly buy eyeglasses online? (laughs) I was wondering how they did that. But Sarah showed me how. They first will send you a completely free home try-on program. Where you can order five pairs of glasses online, have them shipped directly to your home or office. Then you have five days to try them on, so that's one day per frame, if you like, and show them to friends, family, or your husband to get the honest opinion or wife on what they think looks best or what you think looks best. Who cares what they think? It's 100% free and really easy.
0: Yeah, like Chase mentioned, I ordered my free try-at-home pack and I loved all five pairs. So I guess that's a problem to have when you love all five of them. But I pick. give you my honest opinion on <laughs> the is one true. that was best. That is and that's true. What you went with. Yep. That is true. So when you find a pair of glasses that you do like, go to warbyparker.com slash I do and order your favorite pair. And they'll even call your doctor if you don't have your prescription handy. So that is super helpful. So go to warbyparker.com. That's W-A-R-B-Y Parker dot com slash I do to get started with a free home try on. That's Warby Parker dot com slash I do to find your perfect pair of glasses today.
2: All right, you you instead of disagreeing, you add. So I'll give an example um, of people having a political conversation now. Let's call them uh, a Democrat and a Republican. So the Democrat says, that Trump, he's so, let's use the word we're talking about now, narcissistic. So the Republican needs to begin by agreeing. Yes, he does talk about himself a lot and praise himself a lot. And that's one of the signs who are of people who tend toward narcissism. And at the same time, I've read that people who have uh, real personality problems sometimes also turn out to be excellent presidents. For example, Thomas Jefferson was extremely on the border between narcissistic and the, uh, what's the word, artistic spectrum, Asperger's. He was so... Um, uncomfortable with people and self-absorbed. And he wrote the Declaration of Independence. And it was so beautiful. And it turns out, you know why he wrote it out? He didn't want to go to the meeting where everybody was going to get together to discuss what to write. So he just wrote it out. So that's an example of sometimes, and maybe it's true with Trump, his... Um, being so certain that he's right, that's another narcissistic trait, actually enables him to make some hard decisions that most people wouldn't be able to make to do things differently. So that's an example of, yes, he is da-da-da-da, and here's some additional viewpoint.
1: I love it. And it's it's a bit of mental gymnastics, because it doesn't come natural (laughs) for a lot of, at least for me, and I think a lot of people, and it's such a valuable (laughs) and and constructive way to have a conversation. But that's why I asked you, I love that you clarified and gave us this example, and and I've got notes here, and I wrote it all down, because I know... And
2: this, and what?
1: (laughs) Uh, because I know that it, it's going to be something I need to practice is the point. And, and it so
2: is, this is so insightful, Chase. Yeah. Our verbal habits become very ingrained. So changing but to and, oh, sounds like nothing. Oh, not so. It's like changing your whole posture and the way you walk. It's all under automatic pilot most of the time. So, unless you're consciously thinking about it, those butts are going to keep slipping out.
1: It's so true and amazing, like the way our psyche works. And I love this episode, and we've had past ones where seemingly simple conversation habits are so counterproductive to a positive relationship. And Absolutely. The, the solution, like you've given us, are seemingly so simple on paper, but our brain <laughs> and our habits <laughs> right. don't, don't work that way. And it's great to to have the information and the knowledge. And, and, and I think it's important to understand it, but then also to realize that this it's, it takes work. And it's not good just so by...
2: In, in this regard, I go back to sports psychology. If you want to change a habit, It helps to do exercises, drills, to help you change it. So, for instance, if you and Sarah or any two people who are partners of any form sit down one day and consciously have an and conversation. If you take a touchy topic, that's why I chose politics, because people especially have a hard time with that. You'll feel the draw to say, but, 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 but. And each time, take a breath, step back. And, or rather, yes, then fill in the blank with something you can agree with and what they said, and then add, and here's an additional perspective. So in
0: addition to doing this particular exercise um, that you taught us, and I'm really looking forward to adding it into our, our relationship exercises what would you recommend to a couple who one person is displaying narcissistic traits? And let's say, um, like you said, generally they can be a little bit more sensitive. And so they're expressing how they want to be talked to or how they want their val- their feelings to be validated. But the person who is um, not narcissistic in this situation, how do they... Uh, validate their feelings without feeling like their feelings aren't being met because they're constantly having to validate their sensitive partner's feelings.
2: Right. Well, it helps very much when two people at the same time are learning a new skill set. If one person in a partnership is learning collaborative dialogue, yes, da 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 da, da and da, da da da, and the other person doesn't know it. It's going to be lopsided and there's going to be bad feelings and the person who does know it is going to have a dual role of being a partner and a teacher. All of that is difficult. It's much better off if two people simultaneously get the, oh, aha, like right now when I'm talking with the two of you, you're both getting this information at the same time. That um, means that you can both chuckle when either of you Comes out with a butt, or you can both chuckle when either of you just goes on ignoring what the other person said before. Whole different ball game. <laughs> so yeah. get books. Um, I have a website for people who don't like reading. It's just a fun way of learning these skills. PoweroftwoMarriage.com is what that's called. Uh, so that that would be my advice generally. And if you're not learning together from books, website, whatever. Uh, The second option is to get a third party, like a therapist, to work with the two of you at the same time. Now, I will add, unfortunately, in a couple where one person has been narcissistic, the tendency is to say, you have to go to therapy, or I'm not going to go to therapy, you go. When just one person in a couple goes to get third-party help from a therapist, that destabilizes the relationship rather than fixing it. Because as that one person grows, either the narcissistic habit person or the person who's getting depressed because they can't seem to get hurt, if just that one person is changing, it doesn't work well necessarily. Sometimes it helps, but mostly both people have to get the help. So couple therapy, not individual therapy.
1: Well, Dr. Heitler, you've given Sarah and I and hopefully our listeners a lot of great stuff today. And before we wrap up, I just want to ask or make a point about your last answer of saying that what I took away was that both partners, if they're both working on it, and, and both right. ag- acknowledging, like, I have work to do, that they both have work to do, even though, right. like, Sarah's example is, like, her having to validate, and it, it's, it's like, not her, quote, problem, but as long as the person that she's that's asking to be validated also recognizes that they have stuff to work on, then that's a positive situation, mm-hmm. right?
2: Absolutely, because they have to work on becoming more confident when they speak up. And, re- and having higher expectations and of course, what I say is going to count. Because if they're saying things still in the old way, expecting to be dismissed, uh, the change isn't going to stick from the other person. They both need to make changes. And again, as you pointed out, Chase, early on, or maybe it was Sarah, um, that the word narcissist or selfish have negative connotations, so it makes that person look like the problem person, there's a degree of truth to that. And at the same time, the other person who's excessively altruistic has probably been training their partner ingraining the habit of, oh, what you say matters and what I say doesn't.
1: Those are important points to think about as with everything we've talked about in today's show. And like I said, you've given us some great stuff. We appreciate you so much for coming on. Dr. Heitler, why don't we finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye.
2: Excellent. Uh, If they go to prescriptionswithoutpills.com, these prescriptions for how to have a friendly dialogue uh, are in the book, along with prescriptions for overcoming depression, anxiety, too much anger. That's a big one. Uh, and other and narcissism, actually. So go to prescriptions without pills.com prescriptions with an S without pills, also with an S.com.
0: Excellent. We'll we'll have that link um, on your show notes page as well as the power of two and uh, a lot of the notes that we talked about in today's episode on our website at idpodcast.com. And again, thank you so much for joining us on the show.
2: Absolutely. You know, I do want to add, I had mentioned earlier that I have an interactive web website. I'll give you that name is power of two It's based on my book and workbook, both called the power of two. And that's another way people can learn these skills. Uh, and it's called power of two com because there already was a website, power of com. Uh, but, um, You don't have to be married to go to to poweroftomarriage.com. It's skills for everyone who wants to have comfortable, smooth relationships because they have consistently collaborative dialogue.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for correcting that. And and we'll make sure that uh, we have it listed on our website. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Hi guys, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship so we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our Love Tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, slash unlock. And you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next week.
3: the last night.
1: To a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.